Before thee let my cry come near, O Lord, true to thy word, teach me before thee. We are thankful that you are able to join us today as Pastor Mark Robinette preaches another sermon at Foundation Church here in Mount Sterling, Ohio. If this message is an encouragement to you, and we pray that it will be, please consider taking the time to go to www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org and let us know. Thank you, and may the Lord richly bless you through His Word. Let my lips thy praise confess, yea, of thy word my tongue would sing, Greetings this Lord's Day in the name of Jesus. Today we come together as God's people, His elect people, a people who were not a people, but are now the people of God. Amen? Amen? We are called the sons and the daughters of the Most High, and today as we come into His presence, gathered in His name, we long to hear His voice. Everybody say, His voice. Speaking to us and doing in us what it did in creation, when God spoke and said, let there be light, what happened? There was light. And as we hear God speaking to us, it changes us and makes us more like him. David spoke about the voice of God in Psalm 50. Hear the word of the Lord from Psalm 50 as God calls us to worship him. The mighty God, even the Lord, hath spoken. And he hath called the earth from the rising of the sun to the going down thereof. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God hath shined. Our God shall come and shall not keep silence. A fire shall devour before him, and it shall be very tempestuous round about him. He shall call to the heavens from above and to the earth that he may judge his people. Gather my saints together unto me, those that have made a covenant with me. By sacrifice, and the heavens shall declare his righteousness, for God is judge himself. Amen. Hear, O my people, and I will speak, O Israel, and I will testify against thee. I am God, even thy God. I will not reprove thee for thy sacrifices or burnt offerings that have been continually before me. I will not take a bullock out of thy house, nor the goats out of thy folds. For every beast of the forest is already mine. And the cattle upon a thousand hills are mine. I know the fowls of the mountains and the wild beasts of the field. They are already mine. If I were hungry, then I would not tell you. For the world is mine in the fullness thereof. Will I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? Offer unto God thanksgiving and pay thy vows unto the Most High. Call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. But unto the wicked God saith, What hast thou to do to declare my statutes? Or what shall thou shouldest take my covenant in my mouth? 
seeing thou hates instruction and cast my words behind thee. When thou sawest a thief, when thou consent to him, thou hast been a partaker with adulterers. Thou givest thy mouth to evil, and thy tongue frames deceit. Thou sittest and speakest against thy brother, and thou slanderest thine own mother's son. These things hast thou done, and I will keep silent. Thou thoughtest that I was altogether such as one as thyself, but I will reprove thee and set them in order before thine eyes. Now consider this, you that forget God, lest I tear you in pieces, and there be none to deliver Whoso offereth praise glorifies me, and to him that ordereth his conversation aright will I show the salvation of God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we, as we have been called to worship from Psalm 50, you are reminding us that you don't need anything from us, that the gifts we offer you are for ourselves. When we come offering our tithe and offering, it is not because your storehouse is empty and you need gold. It is because we are poor and that we can invest in the kingdom of heaven through these gifts. And so we do. Lord, we know that you are not hungry and that is not why that you have offered. Uh, you, you had your people offering sacrifice, but that you wanted to teach them that you were the giver of life and that it would take blood to forgive our sins. Lord, we pray today as we come into your presence that you would teach us to forgive one another as you have forgiven us. We pray that you would speak to us and change us so that we might be more like you, that you would raise us up and cleanse us and you would take the, the darkness and the ashes of our life, that you would give us the beauty of holiness and dancing and rejoicing as you bring us into the kingdom of light. In Christ's name we pray, and all God's people said a resounding amen. 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 Remain standing as I read my text. My text today is the whole psalm, Psalm 29, it's next in our series of the psalms. My sermon title today is called Finding His Voice. Um, writers sometimes will read a lot, and uh, when they go to write, they end up copying somebody. Singers will sing. Sometimes they'll imitate their favorite singer. But it's not until they can find their voice uh, that, that they become their own thing. God is not trying to find his voice. Right. Amen? Amen? We are trying to find his voice. I use the play of the term finding his voice as in that oftentimes in our hearts and in our minds we hear voices. Sometimes there are our own doubts, there are our own fears, there, there are the peer pressure of the culture around us. But our goal in life, our purpose should be to find his voice. Amen? Psalm 29, a psalm of David. Give unto the Lord, O ye mighty. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name and worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. The voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The God of glory thundereth. The Lord is upon many waters. 
The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaketh the cedars. Yea, the Lord breaketh the cedars of Lebanon. He maketh them also to skip like a calf, Lebanon, and Syrian like a young unicorn. The voice of the Lord divideth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shaketh the wilderness. The Lord shaketh the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord maketh the hinds to calve and discovereth the forest. And in his temple doth everyone speak of his glory. The Lord sitteth upon the flood. Yea, the Lord sitteth as king forever. The Lord will give strength unto his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Let us pray. Oh Lord, we hear these words from Psalm 29 and it excites our souls. For indeed today we want to hear your voice. We want to find it amidst all of the competing noise around us, the distractions, the information, the advertisements, and even our own thoughts and fears. Oh, but your voice is the voice that we long to hear today. And on this Lord's Day, we pray that you would speak to us and change us and make us more like you. In Christ's name we pray, all God's people said. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I want to read those last two verses of Psalm 29 again because they seem to be, bring such a beautiful resolution to the powerful thundering song of praise of Psalm 29. It is as if God's people had sung a foot stomping, pulpit pounding rendition of a song about God's great and powerful voice. And as they were coming back down to earth, it ended in a sort of a trifold amen, like we do each Lord's Day at the end of our service here at Foundation Church. God is great. God is powerful. God shakes the whole world with his glory. Boom, boom, boom. And then the Lord sits on the flood. The Lord sits as king forever. The Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. How many of you could use a little bit of peace today? I could. And so the thunder, yeah. But God himself is the calm after the storm. And he is also the storm itself. I can feel the resolution the peace, this overwhelming sense of calm and rest. And I need this. Sometimes I need it more than others. I need the peace of God to wash over my busy, tumultuous soul. The calm of the morning with birds gently singing amid the debris of the tempest that has overturned everything and left it in ruin. That's kind of the vision I get in my mind uh, tornado at night just ripped everything apart and in the morning the birds they're just quite unaware the brook is singing its song and the birds are singing their song and everything is the roots are upside down and parts of roofs are everywhere but yet that terrible night filled with flashes of light and winds that seem to send the ghosts terrifying the earth deafening crashes of lightning shaking the souls of men that night is over 
and the peace of a new day where the sun has dispelled the darkness, the gentle babble of the brook serenades our fears, and we forget the terrors of the night. As the psalm we're going to be looking into next week says it this way, weeping, trembling in fear may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. The Lord sits upon the flood, yea, he sits as king forever. The Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Why don't we say this together? Why don't we say this? Lord, give me your peace. You know, the Bible says when we ask God for things, he gives them to us. Amen? Amen. As we start off in voice, verse 1 of chapter 29, this inspired introduction reminds us that this is yet again another one of the Psalms of David. A Psalm of David, it says. Give unto the Lord, O ye mighty, give unto the Lord glory and strength. This is a psalm that is addressed to important people, to powerful people, to rich, connected people, people of influence and, and authority that has intoxicated and swelled their souls with pride, false pride. And I say false pride because all pride is false. It is deceptive when man believes that he is something that God should pay attention to or that others should revere. Amen. Any man who thinks like that about other men does not understand fully his God. Being able to make or destroy lives by our very commands causes the hearts of people to forget the source of all power is God himself. Men begin to believe that they're great. And when they stand before thousands and hear them cheer, when they stand to their feet and uh, offer them the worship of woo, standing ovations, they stand up there and they swell with it. They are not like gods. There is none like God, the Bible said. David reminds us that these mighty ones to understand that there is one mighty one. Amen? And he is due all of their honor and his praise to look down on those below them knowing that there is one much greater is looking down on them, seeing the good and the evil that they do under the sun. Sometimes great people need to be reminded there is a greater one and that's what this psalm is about. Give unto the Lord, O ye mighty, give unto the Lord glory and strength. For emphasis, verse 2 says this. David repeats and restates what he has sung in verse 1, but he adds a flourish of loveliness. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name and worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Not only are they to know that he's great, not only did they need to remember that they might have might and power, but their might and power is nothing compared to his. But they need to do it with a reverence of his majesty and his beauty. Where they're not just offering praise or just acknowledging, but that they are worshiping at the feet of their God. 
You may have a great name, Mr. Prince, whoever you might be, Prince of a great land. You may have a lofty title, King so-and-so, but it is for you to know that there is one Prince of Peace, and there is one King of Kings. He is the Lord of glory, mighty in battle. The Lord of hosts, his name is to be praised above all names and not to be compared with any other. As we know, there is but one name under heaven, as it says in Acts 4.12, one name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. One king of the earth to which every knee shall bow and every tongue confess, as it reminds us in Philippians chapter 2, verses 10 and 11, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. God in the flesh come in human form. His name alone is to be praised. As we see in the next phrase or two, not only are they to bow to his greatness or praise his high name above others, but David calls them to worship him in the beauty of holiness. The beauty of holiness is a biblical phrase used twice in the book of 1 Chronicles and three times in the Psalms. This phrase carries the meaning of majesty and awe, uh, overwhelming beauty and light. Have you ever stood and, and, or, and seen a, a, a mountain grandeur or stood over the edge of the Grand Canyon and you look down and you just go, oh. anybody ever do this? This is, if you've never traveled, this is reason enough to do it. How many of you have gone to Niagara and stood atop its thundering falls and stood there inside just going, wow, wow. And if you know God at all, what it should make you do is it should make you tremble at the power of your mighty God. God is set above and apart from anything that we see or imagine that his splendor demands our homage. Awe-stricken by his glory, we fall as it were to the ground dead, prostrate before his greatness like they had done for mere angels when they appeared. His minions is all they are, but how much more shall we spread out our proud hands before him and bow and cry holy to the king of glory. That's what this psalm is saying. Give unto the Lord, O ye mighty, you important people. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord glory due to his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Verse 3, those who will not willingly subjugate their hearts and lives to the potentate of heaven. David has a few reminders for them that remind them of who they are. You know, life has a way of reminding you who you are. Andy remembers having a kidney stone. In the midst of that, he's thinking, I, I mean, I'm guessing he's thinking, I don't know. I know when I get sick, it's like, I'm like, I got these kids to take care of and I got this thing, I, I can't even get up. Has anybody ever had this feeling? You know, you hurt your ankle and you're thinking, you know, wait a minute, the whole world depends on my ankle here. Like. <laughs> Like, like the, if the whole world depends on my ankle, we're in serious trouble. Always right before we go to Myanmar, uh, I, I am mindful that some little thing could really mess it up, you know. And, and so, so far I have fallen three times, pretty big, okay. Uh, last night I tripped over an ottoman in the dark and fell flat on my face in the living room. And, and my son, Nathaniel, thank God for him. I, he's, he's an unusual character. He, he was there working on the fire, and he just, he, he didn't even move, you know. And I went, boom, and he's like, uh, he's like uh, well, hey, how's that? And I mean, I'm laying on the floor. I haven't gotten up. He hasn't found out if, like, I have a compound fracture 
he's just kind of over there by the fire, you know, and I'm just like, wow, you know, think he's got a lot of confidence in me, you know. <laughs> but sometimes events remind us of how weak and frail we are, right? You know, we get stranded somewhere and our car breaks down or, or we experience something, you know, a tree falls through our house or something like that. And we go, wait a minute, this is all very frail here. And David reminds them through nature that how weak they are. And nature has a way of doing this, right? A flood, a tornado, a flash of lightning. They who have been lost in their own pride and have forgotten the way to God, David teaches them how to find his voice and follow him. Verse 11 says, the voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The God of glory thundereth and the Lord is upon many waters. My two oldest sons and I visited a place not too far from Caesarea Philippi at the base of Mount Hermon called the Benias Spring Park. There's a deep valley there, and you really would miss this. You, would, you just wouldn't even see it. Uh, you know, you, you'd just be going along and you would totally miss this, but thank God they put a park here. And, uh, and, 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 and Tim, you know what I'm thinking? What is this? It's like, because I've been where you dip water out of a spring, you know. And I'm thinking they got a little spring down there, you know. Well, there's, there's, it's, it's not like any spring I've ever seen. I've, I've never even imagined there was anything like this. So we go and we're walking and it kind of like, looks like you're like in Southern Ohio and, and there's like a little crease in the ground, you know? And so we're walking down and, and it's getting steeper. And as we go, I noticed that there's a, there's this like low rumble, which I have bad hearing anyway. So I just thought maybe the wind was blowing. I didn't know really what was going on. And, and as I get down and down, all of a sudden there's this like, uh, there's this like uh, walk path that goes over. It, I look down there like, oh, there's a little creek down there, you know? So, Ben, would you, would you describe that as a little creek once you got down there? You could literally, it was so thunderously loud where the water was coming out of this mountain and issuing forth between these rocks. It was so loud that you could not even talk and hear yourself. And that's what the water, the sound of many waters, that's what, that's what's being. In fact, I really believe this psalm is tied to this very place that we visited. Because in that moment, it's like, you know, if you, went in, if you went in there, you're gone. It's just, you know, thousands and millions of gallons just gushing and gushing and gushing. Did, did you guys happen to see that when you were there? You guys didn't see it? It's, it's kind of off the path. We were on our way to Mount Hermon, uh, which we'll actually be mentioning here in this psalm as well. Uh, and on the way, we're like, hey, if there's a park here and we've got a little pass to the park, let's just go and see what's in there. You know, Israel's filled with amazing places. But the thundering sound of water rushing through this rock gorge was awe-inspiring. The thrashing white water noisily clamoring through the rocks is the sound of many waters, as is described many times, as Brother Andy read for us in uh, Revelation chapter 1. This very place, no doubt, was known to David and all the men of Israel, as these words were likely linked to this place. Standing over... My family went to Niagara a few years ago and looking down this 167 foot waterfall, it's really honestly a monument to the power of God. 
earlier in my life, back in 1984, I rode the Maid of the Mist, which had been a boat used to take Africa, take, take the gospel to Africa. Uh, they retired it, they brought it to Niagara, and you can ride right up under the waterfall and, and hear the thundering water below. You know, when you're in the Maid of the Mist at the bottom of that, and you're shaking your head, have you you've done this, Benita? You ever done you, you're just there and you're just looking at it and you're like, that could just so, it's just so amazing, so incredible, so powerful. There's another place um, that in, in the Rocky Mountains called the Bighorn National Forest. If you're, ever, if you're driving out to the Rockies and you go through that pullover, you, you, it'll, it'll, you'll never forget what is just around just a little tiny walk, you'll stand over a rail and you'll see 4 million gallons of water, they say, 4 million gallons a minute. Something like that. Something insane. You can read the thing yourself, but it's amazing. And this very sound, just the sound, and this is what's amazing. So the song is about the voice of God. And what is voice but a but a sound? God David is 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 extolling the greatness of God through sound. How many of you have experienced lightning? How many of you had lightning really, really, really close to you? Yeah. Now, if lightning didn't have a sound, would it be that scary? It'd just be like zap, you know. It'd be like a, one of them bug zappers, you know. Oh, wow. What? No, no, no. You know what the scary part about lightning is. It's the... You know, like... You know, and... You know, I'm sure my house is like the wind, you know. Like, I feel like, you know... And I don't know that it really shakes our whole house, but it kind of feels like it. Boom! We live on a hill, you know. And the storms come and come, boom! And, and you're like, whoa, that was a big one. And boom! And well, how do you feel when you hear those sounds? Do you feel powerful? Do you feel like going out, yeah, come on. <laughs> what do you got? You know, I'll tell you. No, no, no. Sane people aren't having that thought, okay? When, when you know, have you ever done this where the storm creeps up on you? Like, you, like, you don't know it's coming and you're like, hey, it's going to rain. And that early lightning, you know, you're like kind of... You go, Pastor Mark, what are you doing? That's what David's doing. The Lord thunders. He's the sound of many waters. He's wanting you to get the sounds of nature that make you feel small and remind you that God made it all. That's what's going on in the psalm. It's the very sound of the experience David is drawing the hearts and the hearers to as he sings of God's majesty to men who think they're mighty, calling them to remember how they feel in the presence of just one lightning bolt, one of his many creations. How much more should they be brought low by the creator of the heavens and the earth who spoke and everything obeyed his voice? Sound is a powerful thing. Looking at a mountain from a distance or seeing an erupting volcano for miles is something, but some of the sounds of nature shake us too our very core. Nathaniel in the car ride over here was reminding me that when Krakatoa, the volcano erupted, that for 10 miles, people's eardrums burst. Boom! 10 miles away from Mount Krakatoa's volcanic eruption. Seeing a lion is scary, but imagine simply being in the dark, leaning, in a tr leaning against a tree, reading a book, and imagine... Two foot from your head, a lion. Imagine what that would be like. 
When I was a kid, I was in West Virginia and I was following my grandpa around and, and I, remember, uh, I remember a rattlesnake uh, going right across in front of me and it was like one of those, you know, it was like they, they make up in the movies. Like what does happen when people get scared? They go, <laughs> they just like collapse. I remember when I saw that snake, I remember that my body, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't brave and tough like I am now. And, and, and when I saw, I just remember just totally getting weak and just going, Grandpa. I couldn't hardly speak, you know. My grandpa walked over, you know, killed a snake, you know, whatever. But, but I just remember me just going, you know. So he's reminding us that sounds, even the sound of a roaring lion is enough to make us just go weak. That's what a lion's roar is for. Lions roar to scare the living daylights out of things so that they pause, so that they get a head start. It's to warn other lions. It's the sound, just the very sound of that lion. Verse 3, the voice of the Lord. Let me read it again. The voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The God of glory thunderous. The Lord is upon many waters. Verse 4 points to this great truth of verse 3, and it magnifies and clarifies it as we will see in the, in the verses following. David calls our attention to other manifestations in God's creation that accomplish this exact same thing. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord, verse 5, the voice of the Lord breaketh the cedars. Yea, the Lord breaketh the cedars of Lebanon. The mere sound of God's voice, note that, not, you know, not God's hand reaches down and rips them out. No, no, just his voice. The mere sound of his voice is more powerful than anyone can comprehend. His roar is not to be compared with the roar of a lion, which though it is fearful, cannot even move one of the hairs of our head. It may stand beside us and terrify us, and we may be scared inside, but literally, unless it's this close, Corinne, it's not, my, my hair won't even move, especially if I have moose on it. Right? But the Bible says the voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. Now, why does it mention the cedars of Lebanon? You know it's a biblical term, right? You've heard it said before. That these trees are mentioned 103 times in the Bible. Isn't that amazing? In fact, the temple was built from them. And there were also cedars that were sent there that helped build the palace of David. In that same area, the, those cedars became known really in, in that entire Middle East they begin to represent, Jonathan, pride, the pride of men. Ancient history uh, even talks about these same cedars in the Epic of Gilgamesh. Where is he going? He goes there. And when he conquers his enemies, Gilgamesh goes and gets wood from there, and he builds a place for himself. It is a, uh, the reason that the, the wood was so valuable, cedar repels insects. It smells good. It's strong. These trees are eight feet wide, you know, eight feet thick. So I don't know, you know, all the way around, I don't know exactly, but eight feet thick, these trees, the base of these trees. And they're not like, they're, they're evergreen trees, okay? But they're not evergreen trees like pine trees that are just a pole. They're big, thick, eight foot around, uh, or eight foot uh, thick trunks. Uh, that have branches that go in every direction and they have these massive canopies, okay? 
And so God's voice does what? He breaks them. See, they, they represent pride and they represent might and they represent prestige. Egyptians would go to the cedars of Lebanon to get the very sap from those trees to use in the mummification process. And these trees represented so much about men's greatness that what God says, his voice breaks them. When he speaks, they just break before him. They're up to 130 feet tall giants. They densely cover this area. Guess where near? Right near this Benias Park, right near the base of Mount Hermon. So David is building this narrative based on the things that they're used to seeing. If he were in America, he might say, God speaks and the mighty redwoods bend and they snap and they quake before him. He walks and he looks at the Grand Canyon and when he speaks, his voice doesn't even echo. It doesn't even come back. It breaks the rocks. That's the kind of thing he's doing for them. He's giving this, them imagery of this place of the mighty waters. He's giving them the imagery of these trees that are breaking before him. In verse 6, he amplifies it even more when he pictures the trees like calves who run to their mamas when the sound scares them. If you've ever been outside and see a storm coming and uh, animals run, the little ones will run to their mama. Or if they hear, if you're out in the woods and you make a noise and they'll run to their mama. And he says, he makes them to skip like a calf, Lebanon and Syrian like young unicorns. Now, Lebanon, not the country, the mountain. There's a mountain called Mount Lebanon that's right next to Mount Syrian. And Mount Syrian is Mount Hermon. Okay? So if you are there and uh, you're in that area, if there's one imposing geographical feature that dwarfs all other features, it's Mount Hermon. All the way from the Sea of Galilee, which is 30 miles away, uh, Mount Hermon stands kind of as a sentinel in the sky as though it's ruling everything. I believe that is where the Mount of Transfiguration was, even though the Bible doesn't exactly say. But it says that they went there after they had been to Caesarea Philippi. So it's very close and it could have been that mountain. So he says, not only does God break the cedars, he causes the mountain to run from him like a little calf running for its mama. And then to accentuate it, he uses the unicorn. Now the unicorn, kids, when you read the Bible, the unicorn is not a horse with a, a deal on it. The, the King James translates unicorn, there is a wild cow, a cow-like creature that is much like in, in Myanmar, like the mitum. It is, a, it is a more even like the guar. If you, have you guys ever seen a guar at a zoo? A guar is a, is a cow whose back is, ends about right here. And it runs at about 35 miles an hour. Now, can you, can you picture this? You, you don't want to see one of those when you're in the wild, trust me. You know, their mechanism is to run at you as fast as they can and run over top of you, and that's all they need to do. They don't need teeth to bite you. They just squash you and you're dead. I mean, they're like this big around. They have them at the zoo in Omaha. And when we took Pastor Nang to it, Pastor Nang goes, oh, this is like at my house. <laughs> we had this one, you know. We went to, going to the zoo with Pastor Nang is kind of fun. Oh, my brother, he killed one of these. And I'm like, maybe, you know, we're in the, we're in the big cat area. Oh, you see this one? 
Because they call them all tigers when they talk to us, but they're like, no, 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 this, this one little tiger. Well, the little tiger is a, some kind of a leopard or, or some kind, you know, and he's, oh, yeah, my brother, he killed one of those. My cousin, he killed one of those. Oh, yeah, this is, you know. <laughs> but he makes these mountains and he makes these trees to skip like a little calf. Confirming the geography of the song, he mentions Mount Lebanon and Mount Sirion, which I said was Hermon. All <clears throat> the trees break and bow and the mountains run, they run fast. Verse 7, the Lord divides the flames of fire. You know, God has given me a lot of experiences. Uh, I was in a forest fire. Have you guys ever seen a forest fire up close? A forest fire is so terrifying that you cannot even, there's no way to get this in your mind. You cannot watch a movie. You can't see pictures of it. There's no way. And, and a forest fire is utterly and completely terrifying. Flames will go 200 feet in the air. They will turn into these, uh, they call them, uh, what do they call them? They call them some kind of devils, um, fire devils. They, they're tornadoes of fire. That's what he's, he's giving this image. You know, in, they didn't have, you know, airplanes dropping uh, water like, you know, we're doing down there in Australia. And are we even doing anything to it down there? Hardly. Half the country's burning down there in Australia. They can't even stop the fire, even with C-130s and, and professional firefighters and chainsaws and, and the mobilization of millions of dollars and thousands of, of professionals. They can't stop this fire. But you know what God does? Fire doesn't impress God. In fact, in fact, God's the one that sends the fire. He commands the fire. He blows the fire. He's in the fire. The Bible says God is a consuming fire. He's reminding the mighty about things. What do they do? When the fire's coming, it's time to evacuate. That's what it's time to do. It's not time to go out there and go, I don't think you understand I'm the king. I don't think you understand I'm in charge. Animals, when they smell the smoke... They normally would hide from people. They're not hiding because they're more scared of the fire than you. If you go out near a forest fire, you'll see uh, coming by, deer will just walk right by you. A, a bear might just walk. They're not even stopping. They're just kind of like, yeah, you're going that way. I'm going this way. Like, like not like, I'm going to get you. No, they're, they're running from the fire. This is, con this, this is real. You go out there in the wild, everything is running. Bees, I used to care for bees. All you have to do is give them a little bit of smoke and they won't even sting you. You know why? Because they think the fire's coming. And they go and they gorge themselves with honey to the point that they cannot sting you. That's why uh, beekeepers do smoke because it is a mechanism of preserving. They all, the whole hive of 50,000 bees eats as much honey as it possibly can, why? Because the fire's coming and they got to go somewhere and establish a new hive. That's what that's all about. So he's saying, nature knows this. You know this when the fire's coming. You don't just go quit it or you don't pretend you're tough. You run for your life. Why? Because that's what you do when 200 foot flames and fire devils are coming. You don't, there's nothing you can do. Amen. He's reminding the mighty. It's kind of a, an amazing thing that the mighty of the earth, they see these things. You know, we, we think of the atomic bomb as being mighty. I mean, have you guys, you've seen that, you know, you've seen what it does. 
Do you know when one volcano erupts, when they describe its power, do they go, it's the power of one atomic bomb? Is that what they said? No. No. They go, when that volcano erupts, it's the power, and they'll go, of like 3,000 atomic bombs. You're going, well, now, come on. It shoots stuff all the way into space, you know, from the thing and, and sends, you know, tsunamis 300 feet tall going across the ocean, covering islands and destroying people. The powerful, awesome displays of nature. I was telling Andy that this week is going to be Big God Sunday. We live in a world today where people think of God in small terms. You may, not, you may not know what bothers you about Christians who talk this way about God, but they talk about God like God's their little buddy. God's not their little buddy. Okay? They talk about God as though they're flying the plane and he's the co-pilot. God's my co-pilot. God is not your co-pilot. God is the plane and he is the pilot and you are the luggage. <laughs> Big God, small me. But we live in a world where it's like, you know what? We could do great things and, and we're going to do it with our hands and we're going to control everything and, 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 and we're going to allow God to work in our lives. Do you, this language, this is small God language. God is not a lamp we discover somewhere and we rub on it and we say magic words and he does what we want. That's small God. I don't serve a small God. Even the demons are more powerful than that. They go, oh, you think you're going to use the magic words of Jesus on us? We know Jesus and we know Paul, but we don't know who you are. And the demons can even beat up people, rip their clothes off, right? That's what they do. And who are they? But God's creation who do his bidding. The voice of God cleaves, it cuts into the mighty flame like it is nothing. The sound of God speaking runs not from the burning tempest, the fire devils, they are called. Those swirling, towering torrents, twisting fire that wind rips the trees from the ground and incinerates every living thing that even licks the water from the streams to where there's no water in them. God does not run from them. He divides the flames. God's voice dissipates even these fearful demons and they flee from him. Verse 8, he not only does this to forest fires as we will see, he does it to anything he pleases. Anytime he pleases. And he then uses the fire as his instrument of righteousness. It says that God rides on the fire and he rides on the flood. He rules it as well. God is sovereign over all these things. I wish Christy were here today. I would ask her, I'd say, remember when you saw that tornado? Milestone of her life, right? I mean, they're on the news. It's not like we've never heard of them. We've seen pictures, but, but there's a different thing about being in the presence of one that really, really, really makes you not feel small. It makes you understand that you are. Sometimes this is what we need a reminder of when we, are, when we think everything depends on us. 
the salvation of the world, the salvation of our children, the conquering and the taking dominion over the world. The children of Israel, when they looked and they saw that the, that the, that the uh, Philistines were great or the Canaanites were great, they looked at them and thought they were great as if their greatness had anything to do with how difficult it was going to be. See, that's what we do. We look and we say, oh, look, they're like grasshoppers and we're like ants. Look at us. We're little tiny in their sight. Look at them. Look how big they're. Look, their walls are so big we could never get over. And God goes, all right, just walk around it. Don't lift your hand. Don't even have any. Just go play music and walk around it. And so what does God do? He did that to show us that he's the power. We forget this. We get worried. We get stressed out. We get overwhelmed. I'm thankful God has been delivering me from believing that I matter so much. And he has liberated me to having faith in him and just going and doing stuff. If I failed, then God has brought out my failure. You know, that's fine. I might need to fail. You know, I'd love to sell a bunch of books or I'd love to do this or that. I'd make jokes about it now. You know what? I don't care. God knows what I need. He knows how pathetic I am. If God wants to bless me and that brings him glory, or if God wants to make an example of me on how stupid and foolish and prideful I am, then so be it. We used to say this growing up at church. I just want to be used of God. We used to say that. And just use me, Lord. And I remember one Sunday school class, this guy came up and said, hey, hey Mark, said, I, 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 I used you as an example in class today. And I was kind of like feeling pretty good. And he goes, well, it wasn't a good one. It was a bad example. And I remember chuckling and go, well, I just want to be used, you know. The Bible says, have not the, the, the potter power over the clay to do with it what he wills. Some vessel bring honor and glory and other vessels are for an example of shame or humiliation. God chose Pharaoh to make, to show that Pharaoh was not almighty, to show Pharaoh he let him harden his heart against the children of Israel so that he could then cast him and his chariots and their armies into the Red Sea. That's why God did what he did. Verse 8, the voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shaketh the wilderness of Kadesh. Can you see how David uses the familiar things of nature, the acts of God to remind us all that God is mightier than all of them? This is why we find his voice so we can hear it and shut out the voices of doubt and fear of man and even the unthinkable power of the earth and the forces that work in it and follow his voice. It would be tempting to be afraid of the earthquake. It would be tempting to be afraid of the tornado, Elaine, and to worry that it's going to get you. But you need to understand that's God's tornado. And he rides on the tornado. And if he's going to flip Andy's house uh, uh, through Harrisburg and you in it, then he's going to do it. But we can have faith. I'm not afraid of these things. It's hard to do this. It's hard to remember that God is sovereign over the hurricanes and the earthquakes and the fires and the plagues. Amen? Our team's getting ready to fly to China. We're going to be right down the road from where the whole, all the front page news is worrying about the coronavirus. I saw a picture, uh, Andy, of this guy in the Shanghai airport where we're going to go, you know, because... I'm not above fearfulness either. And I Googled coronavirus, 
Shanghai airport, you know? And guess what comes up? There's a guy like in a bubble. They got this guy in a bubble and they got security around him and they're carrying him around in a bubble. And I'm like, oh, this is, this is very encouraging. <laughs> they're all wearing total hazmat. It's like they're on the moon. Except, you know, there are no shadows, so we know it's real, you know, whatever. But, but so, so they're, they're carrying, they're carrying the him in this thing. And I'm like, they, you know, like China has like little, like mobile quarantine cars and they put people in. I'm like, wow, okay. This is pretty incredible. Now we're going now. We are, Jeff's going to get us some real masks, you know, we're going to, we're going to take precaution. We're going to get out of the plane and we're going to go to our next plane. We're going to wear our mask and we're going to get on our plane. We don't want to bring the coronavirus to the to Chook village and like kill everybody in the village. We don't want to do that, right? But God's in charge of that. The coronavirus is not something God's going, what are we going to do? I don't know. This is a man. I got people going there. What, you know, this is not going on. So we will be diligent. We will take our precautions. But if something happens and that happens, then it does. God does these things. In verse 8, David invokes this sacred image from Israel's history when he speaks of the wilderness of Kadesh. He's invoked the cedars of Lebanon, which represent pride. He's invoked this thundering spring, which is the power of God. He's invoked this geography, and now he goes further to geography, and he mentions Kadesh in the psalm. Most of us might be more familiar with Kadesh Barnea. When you put the two together, if you study the Bible, Kadesh Barnea is going to come uh, into your mind a little bit more. Kadesh, though, is mentioned as a symbol in the scriptures of a sacred place. And some, some things happened there. I'll read this for you. Kadesh was the chief site of the encampment for the Israelites uh, when they wandered in the desert. They, they would wander around, wander around. They would always find themselves back at Kadesh. Um, it's also the place where they sent the spies from. They spent, sent them from Kadesh into Canaan land uh, to spy out the land. And it's also where uh, Aaron uh, and Miriam were, were buried there. Moses disobediently struck the rock that brought forth the water at Kadesh. Uh, Miriam and Aaron both died and were buried near there. Moses sent envoys to the king of Edom from Kadesh uh, with permission for the Israelite to pass through the king's highway. According to Jewish historian Josephus, Kadesh uh, is identified with the rock Petra uh, and that fortress there. And so what he's saying is that God could even shake Petra. Have you guys seen that mountain? How many of you guys know what Petra is? Like, okay, if you were going to build a castle, that would be really strong, right? Imagine if you went to a place that's made all of rock, and then you just carved out rooms inside the whole place. That would probably be the strongest thing we could ever build, right? Even, even modern American missiles couldn't get you in there. So there is, in, in Israel... In the south of Israel, uh, near Kadesh, a place called Petra, and you can look it up. And Petra means rock, it means a rock. And it is a, uh, it is a civilization that dug into those rocks and they built these houses. It's, it's really, really cool to look at. In fact, there's a, there was an 80s Christian rock group called Petra because they wanted to say that we're, they're rock. You know, they're, we're, we're rock, you know. Whatever. Man, no one thought that was funny. Uh, <laughs> David's song remind the mighty in Israel that from the north to the south, Mount Hermon and these places up north that he re referred to, and now he's referring to Kadesh. And so he's letting them know that all, all of the important geography from the north to the south, God can shake it all. Yeah. And his name shall be praised. 
In verse 8, David declares God's voice is utterly terrifying, so much that it causes the wild deer to give birth. And it destroys all vegetation. And in these two additional images, we see how fear and power at a mere sound can terrify us. Again, it's another imagery uh, that, that conveys the same thought. For emphasis, it's probably one of the verses of the song. Shepherds know to collect your sheep before the storm. Why? Because if they're carrying a baby, they will just expel it, and it will be you'll you'll lose that. Uh, Robert Moffat, who's uh, the father-in-law of David Livingston, when he, when he was in, um, he wrote, later wrote a thing uh, called South Africa because he went there as well. Um, he said that the tribesmen would follow herds of antelope after a storm. And when the herds of antelope, when a storm scared them, they would just, they knew to go out there and they're going to find all these little ones expelled by the antelopes. I'm, I'm bringing it up because it's mentioned in the Bible. It's in the Psalm here. I know it's kind of yucky, but the, it's hard to catch an antelope. Uh, and so these guys, in order to get food that they needed, animals... Uh, they would go and, and they would collect these expelled calves of the antelope. Verse 10, it says, the Lord sits upon the flood. Yea, the Lord sits as king forever. So now at the very end of the psalm, it's reminding us that God is not uh, worrying about, threatened by, awesomized by the acts of nature. In fact, they're just his chariots. They just do his bidding. They go where he wants them to go. They do what he wants them to do. The flood does not surprise or overwhelm God. He rides on it. God is sovereign over all other powers, and they are all owing to him for whatever authority they have. It is only in finding his voice, the voice of the Prince of Peace, that we can find peace in a world at war with us. He is the giver of peace. Fear God. And find peace. Fear God and you will be on the road, my good brothers and sisters, to finding God's voice. We are often tempted to listen to our fears, to be motivated, motivated by those who seem to have power over us. But God's people, as Jesus said, what do they do? They hear his, they hear his voice and they recognize it, John 10, 27 and 28, and they follow him. He has given us his voice to hear, and when we are lost in faithlessness, we can listen with God's help, and soon we will be finding his voice. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this powerful psalm, Psalm 29, that reminds us of your greatness and your bigness and of our smallness and insignificantness and our powerlessness without you. That's what's such an amazing thing. You have now the Bible uh, says that you have given us power in heaven and earth. This power is ours. In Acts chapter 1, you had the, your uh, disciples wait in Jerusalem in the upper room, and you told them that they would be endued with power. Lord, your power is the power that is quick and and. And that is the dividing of soul and spirit, the joints of the marrow. It discovers the forest. It strips it bare. Nothing can hide from you, O oh God. And Lord, I pray today, Lord, as we 
hear this psalm, that we would be reminded of your greatness over all things, over even our own heart. As John reminds us, if our heart does not believe, God is greater than our hearts. Lord, be, be great in us, Lord. Change our hearts and minds so that we might see you in your glory and not run in fear from our enemies. In Christ's name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Robinette of Foundation Church. Thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to our audio sermons. We would love to hear from you if you have any comments, questions, or just to let us know how they served you. Go to our website, www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org, and send us a note. Thank you, and it's a pleasure to serve you.